The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the iRacers Download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. I'm Justin Prince. Along with me is my producer, Richard Colbreth. We break down what's been another busy week on the iRacing platform. Lots of various events to talk about throughout this episode, but the major discussion point, the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, had its season debut at the virtual Daytona International Speedway this past Tuesday. The top runners in the series looked to make a strong impression on a brand new season. But in the end, it took some double overtime to determine a first-time winner. Tucker Minter, in his first career eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series start, picked up the victory for Team Dillon Esports with 14 laps led after contact between himself and Casey Kerwin coming into the trioval, Blake Ray, Derek Bordeaux, Casey Kerwin, and Michael Cozy Jr. rounded out the top five. The most dominant drivers throughout the lead laps, Alan Bowes finished ninth in with 26 lead laps. Bobby Zelensky had 22 laps led early, but finished back in 23rd when the incident started to arise. Joining us now here on the iRacers download is Tucker Minter. Tucker, first things first. Not bad for your first ever Coke start. One race, one victory. How does it feel to join the first time winners club on the first try? It feels it feels really fantastic. You know, it really exceeded really any expectations I had set on the year in the first race. So that's pretty crazy. I was when we came into the season, I was hoping for a few top five finishes. And so to already have a win under my belt, it's pretty huge. Let's talk about that race because it was, again, a very busy day, especially when it came to potential from the onset incidents from lap one, then multiple different packs set up the 20-lap dash when the cautions flew again. How would you describe it from the cockpit, though, as the night went on from you? Fortunately for me, I didn't think the race was too hectic up until we started getting into the overtime finishes. Luckily, we had a really great qualifying setup and had a good lap. I think I qualified somewhere around eighth place or something like that. So I was ahead of most of the everything that was happening in the pack. So I didn't even know what happened on lap one. And then throughout the race, I was able to link up with Michael Cozy Jr. and Bobby Zielinski. And then my team, Dylan Esports teammate, Jordy, we all got together and we were able to push really well and kind of hold track position both before the green flag stops and after the green flag stops. So that just uh, kind of led up for a pretty easy race right up until the green-white checkers. Once that started, it was all about just trying to keep myself in a position to uh, capitalize. I have to ask as well, though, coming to that checker flag, Casey Kerwin with the advantage, you're on his bumper. Then there's the bump contact heading to the start of the trioval. Kerwin goes up to the outside wall. You take the checkered. What happened in that breakdown there? 
Yeah, I mean, really, the the whole last restart broke down exactly how I needed it to with Malik didn't give Cozy the push that he needed, so that allowed me to push Casey clear. And then that was that allowed me and Casey to clear up to the high line. And I knew I, you know, if I had a choice, I wanted to be in second place coming off of turn four, just knowing that a caution's not going to come out, knowing how much of a sitting duck the leader is. So really, nothing even happened on the white flag that changed my position. Nobody was able to make a real move for the lead. And so when I came off of turn four, I didn't know exactly where I wanted to make my move, but I, I knew I was probably going to make it to the left because I thought Casey would protect to the right more. And so I moved over and Casey pulled down way quicker than I thought he would. I thought he would probably stay high and then tried to side draft me off my right rear, but he ended up coming down right in front of me. And initially I thought that he had held me off because he moved down and it kind of bogged my momentum a little bit because his block was quick enough that, you know, he was still square right up in front of me, but, you know, he moved down and got himself a little bit crossed up. And then when he hit the apron, plus obviously, you know, he's moving across my bumper and you can't lift coming to the line to win the Coke series race at Daytona. So he ended up getting hooked sideways. Um, but yeah, all in all, I mean, it was a pretty great finish. Very exciting finish to start off the brand new campaign. What was the reaction like from the esports division for Team Dylan management? Yeah, obviously they were thrilled. Um, they they really you know kind of took a step out for to pick up Jordy and I. Um, they Team Dylan has been in the series for a long time, and they've always gone with established talent more or less. If you look at their history of drivers, and they've had some pretty good success. I'm you know, I'm fairly confident. And so to sign two people that hadn't been in the Coke series before, you know, they really kind of not, they didn't stick their neck out, but you know, it was a risk, especially having partners like Coca-Cola, the title sponsor. And then unfortunately, um, this sponsor that was looking at being on my car backed out at the last minute. So that's why we ran the unsponsored car that everybody's been talking about for the last couple of days. Um, and so, yeah, they were they were super happy to see me win. Obviously, they wish they had a sponsor on the car already, but um, you know that that kind of generated even more publicity for it that I didn't have a sponsor on the car and it helped them out. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Uh, not going to touch upon the reasonings per se for the sponsor leaving. That's more of a within Team Dylan thing. How though was the response then for a sponsor to be on the car now since? Well, you're already a winner. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't have anything officially set yet, but um, we definitely had a lot of people reach out. And so that's been really cool. I didn't realize, I mean, I knew the Coke series had a pretty good audience, but I didn't realize how many people were interested in sponsorship and everything until I won a race with an unsponsored car and people started reaching out to me and Team Dylan. Yeah, it's crazy how things can be, to say the very least. Again, first Enascar start, first victory, the first driver who's done that since Derek Bordeaux, who did that back in 2016, for reference. And talking about the preparation for this race, we talked with the multiple different drivers on their approaches for the season and the preparation. How was that preparation process like for you to get this car ready for Daytona knowing this is a huge chance to set the tone right from the launch. 
Yeah, fortunately for us, we have Seth DeMerchant on our team. And it's my opinion, and I think the opinion of a lot of people on iRacing, that Seth is the best plate racer on iRacing. He's incredible when it comes to setup building, and he's just a huge wealth of knowledge when it comes to even, you know, what moves to make, when to make them, and everything like that. So luckily, just being around him for the last year has really set me up to compete and be able to put myself in a position on Tuesday. But specifically setting up for this race, my approach, even through Road to Pro and it would go to plate tracks, was that, you know, the Coke Series is a little different since we have a playoff format, but Daytona, Talladega pays the same amount of points as every other track on the schedule. So I think you kind of set yourself up for failure if you just blow off you know, Daytona week or whatever, just saying, oh, it's a plate race, it's luck anyway. I think we really prepared well for Daytona. We had some really positive, productive sessions that uh, we kind of figured out what we needed to do in the draft, how we could work together, and um, just making sure that our car handled a little bit better than everybody else. We're going to also ask about the model for this season, but it's going to be intriguing how this entire campaign plays out. We talked a lot with Jordi Lopez Jr. actually during some of the previews on your side. For your respective side, for those who do not know, in terms of the background, you've been in the NASCAR conversation for years, even if you go back to 2020 when you got the chance to build as part of the happy hour with the trucks at Canadian Tire at one time. Yeah, that 2020 was really my first year that I attempted Road to Pro, and I didn't really have ambitions of making it i kind of took that year as a learning year and then i didn't really start playing with building setups myself until right before that i racing happy hour thing when uh, me and some of my teammates at the time were working on a road course setup for that year's road to pro race so i took that road course setup and i ended up having the fastest time and worked with time majeski at daytona at the road course of course time majeski very much in the conversation, to say the least, with the trucks in this year's running season. But get back to the point as well, there's also been a lot of shuffling in terms of things. One of those, seeing you shuffle over to a new grouping from your long-time respective grouping from that respective time. And you mentioned Seth Demersion amongst those you now work with. How's that transition been for the new year? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it was great. Um, you know, Nexus had kind of, for me run its course i can't thank you know zach hudson and everybody over there enough for what they did for me at the time um you know i didn't have ambitions of i thought i would not be a coke series driver i kind of put coke series drivers on a pedestal like you know a level that i was not at and probably would never get to and then joining nexus they helped me understand that i had the speed if i you know applied myself to take that step but then moving over to Altus, um, you know, we just really hit it off from the start, working with Merch, Jordy, Cozy, everybody, you know, the guys who I brought over to. Um, it's just been, you know, we, we hit the ground running with Merch winning at Daytona. And then uh, we had a rough patch at Las Vegas and Road to Pro. And then after that, we were pretty much lights out for both rounds of Road to Pro qualifying in the trucks. And then in the Contender Series, um, I think the Altus guys that were there the year before were a little bit trepidatious because they had really struggled 
the year before in the contender series and, you know, Jordy had just missed out. So I think having um, kind of me and my the other guys that I brought with me reinvigorated them that we we're going to make it through the contender series. And obviously we had a lot of success with Jordy getting the pole, me winning at Darlington. That's carried over into the Coke series. Been a very strong start. Let's put it that way for your Coke series career. But now it's going to get intriguing from this point because First of all, key is to get top 20, make sure you're in. But second, the big thing, for the first time ever, the Coke Series is going to a non-Cup Series circuit, and it's the Milwaukee Mile. How comfortable are you with the Milwaukee Mile on the platform? I was, I, I have not run many laps at Milwaukee before we started testing for it, and, you know, the last time I had drove Milwaukee I think was back in 2020 when I first joined Nexus and I was running some C-Fix races there and I I had to completely relearn what line to run on the track because it was different from what I thought it was but now that we've been testing for you know a couple weeks at it I feel pretty comfortable at Milwaukee it kind of fits in with my driving style I seem to do a little bit better on short tracks than you know I feel like I'm strong at a lot of tracks, but short tracks were really my bread and butter in the Road to Pro series. So I'm hoping to continue that momentum into the Coke series. How does the cup car drive at the Milwaukee Mile compared to, say, the truck? That is something that kind of was not expected coming into the season. Yeah, I mean, the main difference is just the uh, the next gen is so stiff and the Milwaukee Mile pavement is pretty old, so... You have to make some decisions with your suspension settings on if you want to run really stiff and how close you want to be to the ground because if you bottom out the diffuser, then you're going to be losing time and getting loose. and It's just not a fun time if you do that. So you got to make some big decisions trying to figure out what you want to do from a setup perspective to make sure it's optimized. So the confidence question, do you think you can go two for two? I mean, I'd like to think so. I think really Milwaukee, the main thing that is going to be the sticking point for us is qualifying, just that we've never qualified at the Coke level before. And, um, you know, you get in Road to Pro, both contender and in the qualifying rounds, you get two laps, even though, you know, at subtracts, you really need to only do your second lap. You get two laps, so if you mess up on lap one, then at least you have another shot at it. In Coke, if you go off into turn one and overdrive it, then it's over. So, um, you know, from a mental aspect, that's kind of an adjustment for us. And then from a team standpoint, just understanding the next gen, we haven't, I feel like we can definitely work hard enough to get a solid race car underneath us where once we've qualified, we can either move forward a little bit or at least hold our ground. But in qualifying, it's just so specialized that we don't have the experience of knowing where we need to be from a race setup to qualifying setup perspective. So on that note, where can fans reach out to you or better yet, sponsors reach out to you to be able to find your way onto that race car for next time out? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can message Team Dylan Management on Instagram. That's the way that they've been having me direct people who are interested in sponsoring. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with them. And then, obviously, you can follow me. The I don't really, 
I keep my Instagram kind of more private for family and friends, but um, on Twitter, I really do a lot, post a lot more iRacing content on there. That's just at Tucker Mentor. Well, thank you very much, Tucker, for taking the time to speak with myself as well for this week's edition of the OnRacers Download. Again, congratulations on making history. Congratulations on the first Coke Series victory. And good luck at the Milwaukee Mile. Yeah, thanks for having me, Justin. That's Tucker Minter from Team Dilly Esports picking up his first career victory in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series at Daytona. We come back, the news of the week. You're listening to the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Welcome back to the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Justin Pritz with you, along with producer Richard Colbreth. It's time to break down the news of the week and what has, again, been a fairly busy week when it comes to the iRacing platform. We start things off with the Skip Barber Formula iRacing series, which seen a visit over to Road America. It was there where the defending champion of the Fortune Takeover Esports Super Cup, Diego Pinto, swept the round by picking up victories, but two laps led in the first race and eight in the second. It took some winning and thrilling moves, though, to be able to get the job done, to be able to find his way to the race lead in the first race over the pole sitter, Matt Karunga. In the end, Oscar Magnion, along with William Chadwick, completed the top three with the pole sitter, dropping all the way back to fourth by the end of the race due to off-track penalties. The other side of the card seemed Pinto hold off that said driver, along with the once-cooking driver of Josh Thompson for the top three. Other notables who took part in the round four this week included Brandon Hawken, who's been in contention for several major championships in the past, finishing top five in the second race. Also amongst those notables who took part, Magnin and Chadwick finished at the very back of the field, all the way back in 16th and 17th in race two. But how does that mean, and how does that play out, in turn, for the championship? Pinto leads the championship over Harley Houghton. But by nine points, 132 to 121, with Thompson and Karana along with Michael Janney, the top five, those drivers separated by 32 points total heading into the next round. Speaking of the next round, the next time the drivers hit the racetrack is going to head for the Circuit of the Americas. At that respective racetrack, those drivers looked to battle a facility which seen just a few months ago. Last year's champion from this eSports series make its way to the real world championship in the Skip Barber Racing Series. Be sure to tune in on, on iRacing social media platforms where the coverage starts at 8 p.m. Eastern for the action once more February 16th. Also something to consider when it comes to that respective action that's heated up. The NASCAR Coco iRacing Series second race the season talked about is at the Milwaukee Mile. And when it comes to that respective event, the drivers gear up for a first-time visit to the facility in series history. February 28th is the date you can find that respective round. That coverage starts 8.30 p.m. with Countdown to Green on iRacing social media platforms. Speaking of eNASCAR still in the same realm, the qualifiers begin. Starting off on the 16th, onward all the way to the month of April. It's the road to pro. It's the chance to move up the ladder, and it's a chance for drivers in eNASCAR competition to see if they can find themselves into the top 70 of the eNASCAR Road to Pro qualifying series. 
The first leg of the series starting off at Daytona February the 16th. We're heading to Las Vegas, Atlanta, Texas, and Bristol. Then Dover, Darlington, and Charlotte closes things out. Again, each of those go all the way in back to the end of May. You can even extend to races distance around 175 for Bristol. Most speedways 100 laps and Daytona at 80. To be able to follow along with the action, be sure to see Thompson action on FTFGG starting at 9 p.m. Eastern every two weeks on the Thursday nights starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. While McCody Entertainment has a special eNASCAR Coke Drivers feed that starts at the same time in collaboration with FTF. Once again, Thursdays every two weeks for RTP starting February the 16th on FTF and McCody Entertainment. And on that note, it's time to say goodbye. For Richard Colbreth, I'm Justin Prince saying so long. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening. You've been listening to the iRacers Download, a Speedport podcast studio powered by my race pass.